Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host, teacher and socialist Andy Lipson and community organizing socialist Kenny Cepeda. We are online at what-s-left.webnow.com. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, share your favorite episodes, and jot on our information where you found this episode. Today will be rather personal, but also um, following the case of Andy Livson with uh, some of the latest of his work and drawing the line or holding the line, as we had also explored in the last uh, episodes around his work and tenure. And so we'll have this dichotomy of two conversations, but also very connected and very relevant because they're happening at the same time. And we will be exploring love in the midst of tyranny, <laughs> such as the reference of love in the time of cholera um, by the Colombian uh, Nobel Prize winning author, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, and so uh, we hope to share highlights of some very rather recent, beautiful events that happened last week, and also uh, some updates from Andy's uh, position. I'll leave it there because I think I want you to state what happened. Yeah, and, and Kenny's had some interesting events take place as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, um, I got married, yes, got married this last week, October 7th, um, and uh, me and Brandy got married. Um, and I am now Lib Mr. Libson Selk. It's going to take some time <laughs> to get there, <laughs> but that's where we're going. <laughs> Um, and congratulations, um, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. And both of y'all were at the wedding and that was really important to me. Uh, you both sat with my mom and my sister, um, who my mom's a big fan of both y'all and, uh, and my sister's very important to me. And then my, one of my best friends from a long time ago, Mitch. Um, so mm -hmm. that was nice to have that. I mean, there's more to talk about, but I also want to give an update on the medical my refusal to release my medical information because both of these things, like the approach of the, of the, of the wedding were literally happening side by side with some of the events that have taken place since I, you know, said, no, I'm not going to give you that information. There have been developments since then issuance of first written reprimand, second written reprimand responses that I've given. Um, and I kind of want to talk about both those things because in, in one way, I, maybe I'm giving a summary here, but I, I put this to a, a colleague of mine who knew I was getting married and she was like, I'm really sorry that, that this is happening at the same time as your, as your marriage. And I was kind of thinking like a tale of two cities, a best of times and a worst of times. But I actually think getting married and doing this actually have a lot of positive commonality in that they're both about finding a kind of truth, a find kind a find of inner truth for yourself. Um, now, I think I found that with Brandy in our marriage. I think I'm going to have to see this through with the other thing, but I actually don't think that they're running in opposite directions. I think these two events are actually going, they're in, in, intertwined um, and entangled in something that's actually positive, despite the fact that the reasons for me doing it are very negative because of the changes that are happening in public education and work and things like that. So um, I want to talk about both those things. Uh, the positive and the negative of what's happening right now. Should we begin with an update from... Well, I would like to hear 
people, you two talk about some highlights from the wedding. <laughs> so last week, as you had mentioned, it was your wedding and I was there. I had experienced going to the rehearsal dinner and as well as to the wedding. And it was very, um, I thought it was a bit surreal to see you having known you for so many years to be in partnership or to be romantically engaging in you know, public affection, as well as very genuinely uh, feeling the things that you felt feel for Brandy. And um, when I feel as if sometimes much of your uh, active life in politics or your stances overwhelm who you are as an individual because you are so passionate and fiercely staunch about where you are politically and how you um, stand up for others and your beliefs. And so sometimes this side of you that is very personal isn't normally seen. And when we do meet up, sometimes uh, I feel as if some you concentrate on the other person, like you concentrate on us or our relationship. And, and it was very heartwarming just to see how much you are uh, being very vulnerable in, in being uh, showing your true feelings for another, and in this case with Brandy. And I <laughs> got to see cheesy movements, <laughs> very just cheesy sort of wedding kind of lovey-dovey things. Uh, and I'm not like that myself. And I'm not sure if you are that way in the world, <laughs> but uh, but I had a lot of experience seeing that during the time, which is great and very genuine, also very authentic, loving um, to the heart, wanting to share appreciation and love for the people that were involved. And, uh, and also just um, also very uh, awe-inspiring. Uh, I was left... Uh, flabbergasted by some of the things I had seen that I had never seen that you could potentially pull off aside of you. My dancing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I hope that you're sharing on this episode. <laughs> Which left me just jaw-dropping um, in, in that moment. Uh, so that's generally how I um, so I, I will describe my, my experience. Specifically, uh, I was um i had a i had a a, a a a glimpse into who you are as an individual with your family i think seeing your mother and your brother and how different they are um to you um not completely different but yeah. especially you and your brother have various differences um uh, and your sister and it was, uh, it was very, mm, it gave me an opportunity to, to, to be in it for just moments to see how you interact with them and to see, uh, um, I'm not sure if I will to say names for you, but I'll just say your brother's, your brother's daughters, you know, how they come after you and the way they were dressed and the themes and, and, um, and having the conversations I had with your sister and your mother, uh, it, also made me realize how, one, how 
you all have come a long way from your past. I mean, it was reflected in the things that you had said, right? Like the things that you said about your sister having at some time brought together the family back together again, or uh, um, you know, just just seeing those moments, talking with them, that made me uh, feel as if there is a a, a vulnerability that the Livingston family had shared with us, which I was very much appreciative. Uh, I also enjoyed uh, your mom's um, uh, fanaticism of us. And that made me feel with Kenny as if we were two celebrities. <laughs> I had no idea we, this is as I like to say, like there's a cult following to films and a cult following to some underground, you know, uh, comics and such. I felt as if we're this small podcast that's in the, it does, it's hardly ex it exists on the, you know, on the social media and for your mom to come up to us and ask for us to have pictures with her and to see us and to know more about us when I was having a conversation with her than I know of her because I have not ever directly spoken to her and I've never heard her voice. I've never, you know, I've had emails, I've seen her comments, but this was a very personal experience and also weird that she would know some of the things that we, that she knows of us that I, I, it's, it's, it's made me feel for a moment as small celebrity status. <laughs> funny so i'll stop there and then i'll say other things uh, so for me um well i've known you for i think maybe 17 years now mm -hmm. somewhere you know shape or form um we've been in each other's lives so um you know i've seen your evolution you know even though you are older uh, you know but i've seen you evolve in your thoughts your love life you know a bit i think in your politics too um and, you know, to, to me, you know, I, I was on vacation myself, you know, with my partner, we went to Mexico, we went to, we did things we're not supposed to do in these times, uh, you know, like hug people and, and your wedding, you know, was more of that, um, being in close contact and community with people that are meaningful to you. Um, and, you know, there were people that organized with you, you know, from the ISO that I met, um, there is people, um, whose lives, you know, you've touched in, uh, as a teacher and mentor. Um, and, you know, there is your family, just like Eduardo, I was, you know, pleasantly surprised to talk to your, uh, your sister and your mother, same situation. I think your mother and I, hi, <laughs> we were best friends. Uh, we, we had, we talked a lot, we danced a lot. And, you know, it, it was very pleasant to, um, just like Eduardo, to have people that listen to the show on a regular basis approach me and, you know, just have, you know, some ideas, some thoughts, some, you know, uh, gratitude for, you know, what we do here in some ways. So it, it is uh, a bit rewarding, but, but overall I, I was, I was really, I didn't know what to expect with your wedding. <laughs> I showed up and I didn't know uh, you were such an artist because <laughs> there was acting involved, you know, there was, you know, um, uh, dancing, um, and I, I just like Eduardo, I hadn't seen you in full um, display with Brandy, you know, display of affection and 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 just you know to the way the the wedding felt. Um, it, it was I've never attended a wedding like that. Mm. It was very uh, creative. Uh, just the theme of the wedding, the you know the entrance to the ceremony. Um, 
And uh, so, you know, it was very pleasant and um, it was the cherry on top for my own, you know, journey uh, in the last, uh, you know, three weeks or so, um, being around elders, right? And not being afraid of touching each other and mm-hmm. and interacting and being human and, and open and, and vulnerable in some ways. And so it was very special to also see the youth that you again influence uh, in in all of us there, you know, and people with strong convictions, uh, minds of their own, and you know, in the same space, you know, we don't, we're not all exactly the same. We're not indoctrinated, you know. We're, we're just, uh, but you know, it was just nice to to be in community and and just uh, take. Your partnership with Brandy as an example, um, I think there were a lot of things that will stick in my mind um, in terms of the maturity that you and Brandy showed in your vows in particular. Um, I think that um, you uh, you highlighted some things that most people don't think about, especially in you know younger people coming to a marriage into a partnership. Um, you and Brandy definitely. Um, I think um, have shaped me at least, you know, in, in my expectations of a relationship and, and, you know, just by witnessing that. And so, you know, thank you for that. Yeah. This is a lot of fun to be listening to you both right now. Um, it, it, first of all, I could think about when I was younger, how much my world was segmented, like my family or friends or sports people, like people, people I played soccer with or people I wrestled with, those would all be different segments of my life. And they couldn't, it was frightening for me, the, the idea of them coming together and all being different parts of my life coming into the same place. Cause I, cause I'm fragmented at that point, you know, and, and I think back as I listened to, you know, for me, I had to bringing all these people together and then Brandy's family together, which I, I know some of those folks as well, obviously. And then having them merge with, with you all, I didn't feel any fear. Like I, I was excited about it and, and, and that's good. I just like that. I'm really glad that, that I've grown to a point where I'm not afraid of people who I care about and love meeting each other and <laughs> cross-referencing or something, you know, or anything, you know? Um, and so like, you know, like there's so many highlights and you all have touched on some of the, some of the things. So I, there's no way I could, but some things that come to mind are Kenny watching you dance with my mom. Um, me dancing with my sister, um, Eduardo, when I'm dancing with Brandy, <laughs> blurting out, who is this person? <laughs> and referred to me and everyone cracking up, including if you watch the dance, including Brandy, like she's actually, I'm trying to keep my focus now because I just heard Eduardo say that. And I know Eduardo, and Eduardo is not the kind of guy to bra- draw attention to himself in such a setting. He was not trying to make it. My brother would say that out loud and be trying to say something. But Eduardo, what you know, wasn't, and I think that's what made it so hilarious for me is it was clearly just kind of came out of you, um, and that was so. I had got such a kick out of that, um, and I think the, uh, in some ways, it was the response of the people who don't know me, like um, uh, the our our photographer uh, Daniel Neal has like he took seven thousand photographs, and he says that he's never taken that many photographs. Because I, I don't know, I think it was Kenny, you, you mentioned the art, artistry. Like Brandy really brought that artistic element to it. And she got me to believe in it. Like, I, I know I have artist qualities. Like, 
thoughts and I kind of a romantic and I'm sentimental, but it was Brandy who really drove home the idea that we could do this. And then I was like, I got more and more, I became more and more of a believer. Um, and he was like, he just couldn't stop taking photographs of things, you know? And, um, he took some amazing photographs, but what he said was like, he's been doing tons of weddings. And for him, it was like, it had opened it up for him. Like, like, like this was his first wedding to ever take photographs of. And he wrote that on, on his page. And I was like, so touched by that. And then I also think of the, um, the, the, the caterers is, uh, we have a Russian caterers who, um, this woman, Masha, and then her, a lot of her, her help were other Russians that she knows. And I saw in the video, I saw that they were watching our dance. So they were seeing her dance too. Um, but, uh, they stopped us afterwards and they were telling Brandy what, a, how amazing she is and what a wonderful woman she is and how lucky I am. But they also said that they have never, like, this is like the best wedding they ever attended. Like, and, clearly caterers have attended a lot of weddings, you know? Um, and like, and they actually, they took out paper cups and they, they did a toast for us. Like it was like late at like around 1130 at night. So here we are, me and Brandy with like three or four Russian workers. And uh, it's just like a, that's a trip for me, particularly given that this was proletariat glam, particularly given the symbol. I don't know. It's just like, it was, it was, it really was magical. Um, and I get to, and really just to get to wear the ring finally, you know, so it's, you can see those blue, uh, blue, blue sapphires. Over you I, can see them on there. But I love having my ring on. I love wearing it. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I, I, I enjoy it. I'm glad to be married to Brandy. Like, and it, I don't know if you want to transition to the thing. Cause I, there might be, but it has given me more confidence to do the things I'm doing. You know, like um, she's set to fight this crap that we're dealing with. And she's got her own set of people that she has connections with. And I'm more determined. Like, and I, you had said it in the, there, Eduardo, like, gosh, I can't remember how you put it, but that you were seeing something that was like a, a more inner me of a kind of a true thing. And I think you were seeing that on more like a romantic or emotional or interpersonal. But I also think that's why I think this this thing that's happening with the with the mandates and the and the medical mis medical information release, I feel like it's I'm becoming politically truer too, um, and not all of it's going to necessarily mean that I'm always going to take some some hard line. But that's it, I don't know. It, it feels it feels like when I heard you talk, it reminded me of what I said in the beginning of this episode, like that the finding. Finding true love is, is connected to finding a true path for yourself and for the people that you love. Um, and uh, I don't know, that's what's coming up for me. May I comment? On yeah. I thought that it was very intimate. It wasn't large. Like I have seen some very large weddings. And I have also seen very extravagantly expensive weddings you know and also sometimes over the top weddings and it was a very uh, very neat artistic and just right it was like the goldilocks sort of you know wedding where it wasn't too big too soft it was just right and i felt as if that that brandy's energy in every detail manifested and was reflected in how much she wanted this and how much 
you then contributed right after you chased after and said, wait, hold on, I also want to do something now. Because initially, as you had shared with us in the at the wedding, you weren't that enthusiastic about the wedding. And I thought that was very good that you had said that because it, sometimes we go to these events and they become very fairy tale like very magical experiences but they don't share very honest conversations about things and one thing i did found that this was and, and true to i think your nature is that you would want something to be as real like you like these podcasts or these episodes to be which i like to edit constantly <laughs> you know but it's like you like to have everything so real and so you have people sharing at the rehearsal and at the wedding about you know very personal feelings and you said in that wedding you know this wasn't something you wanted to do but the more that brandy was um at it on her own and she just was the little hen who knew not to stop you know and you know she's she's just building and eventually you you come along like that's different to the hen and the rest of the story of that story but mm -hmm. it, like you 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 joined in on the on the work and it, you it was a participation of both but let me just first give light to Brandy, though, because I, the the centerpieces, the the pictures in the bathroom, where you see the you know the the pictures of like I saw some of them. I thought, is it? No, that's not. That's Andy's picture of wash your hands and the picture of him. And I'm thinking, oh, that's not Andy. That cannot be Andy. It looks so classically a picture of how it is um, advertised, no? Yeah. And you are there washing a hand, you know, very smiley and all. And I hope that maybe you can show that in this episode. Mm -hmm. um, and the yeah. details of like having toothbrushes and soaps and whatever toiletries that were needed. And um, the people were staying over. And also the sickle, and Kenny pointed it out for me, the sickle and the feather of, uh, because this is the sign for uh, an ASL, so I'm doing it this way, uh, for for uh, the socialism symbol. Right. And so it was a feather, it was a nice touch. And yes, there was glamour, but there was also, it was this like, you know, mixture of also not as uh, over the top wanting to be, um, I think it was a good combination of both you and Brandy's way of being no, and and so I, I wanted to mention the the part where, oh yeah, where you had said that. So then you yourself became so involved in it, and every single one of the people who had shared about their experience around you, from Gemma to your um, brother to the rest of the people who were sharing, and to Brandy's friends. I also thought that was very neat to get a glimpse into who have they been in your life who also transformed and showed as Kenny had said um, were part of your evolution um, because they do shape our relationships do shape and form us and um, I didn't know a lot of those stories Andy I didn't know how much they had were there in your life and how much they meant to you politically personally um, and it would have been nice to have seen more, but it was nice that it was short and sweet. You know, it wasn't too long. It was, it could have, I'm sure other people could have come forward and said more I, things. I tried to get Brandy to give me more people to speak, but she was like, no. <laughs> yeah, both of you would have been fast to speak. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, 
that's because Randy knows when it's too sweet or too salty. It's like, she, I think it's just enough. You have to get just enough. <laughs> she is a consummate performer and show person. She definitely knew to leave people wanting more. Not If you give them too much, they're like, oh. So I have to give her credit. Like she was right. And I always wanted to push it longer and things like this. And she always cut it back. And she, her, all her choices, they were perfect. Yeah, all of her choices. I mean, even just her dress, not being the stereotypical oh, white dress. You're going to see that too. I mean, that, that dress was amazing. You know, it was, um, everything was different about it, you know, just. I mean, for me, you know, I just, it was interesting to see um, because we do, we did take a camera picture, right, in, at your wedding. So again, it was just interesting to see the array of people there. You know, like from all ages and, you know, backgrounds and, you know, that, um, you know, I don't know. There is a commonality in some ways, you know, not, ex not we're not exactly at the same spot, but it's just interesting. That was a highlight for me uh, just to, you know, to know that there's been people there that have shaped, you know, your thoughts and, and vice versa, you know, you, you know, exchange and because I feel that in some way I'm part of them too, you know, and, and they're part of me. Like we're all in this together. And, you know, and, and, and so that's, that, that also was for me personally, a part of my own evolution. And so it was heartwarming, you know, to see some of your old comrades and, you know, and, you know, and, and, and see how, you know, people evolve or, you know, how much sometimes it, this work or, you know, having very anti-mainstream uh, ideas can take a toll and, yeah. you know, in, in some people. And it's just, that was just beautiful to me, you know, and I am, I, I want to have a, uh, that picture myself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that picture of all of my comrades, essentially. I'm looking forward to that. And, um, and I think, so for a moment, we invite we invited about 110 people. Now, like there are two former comrades, Rachel and, and Roger, who are in Australia, who we knew were never getting <laughs> they weren't getting out. So we all know that wasn't happening. But you know, and the size you mentioned, Eduardo, I actually do think it was the perfect size. But some of that size was a result of some people who I care about or love being afraid of COVID, disagreeing. That was my next. Yeah, disagreeing with. Maybe the fact that we weren't saying people have to be vaccinated or we were doing people had to be people. There were people who took PCR tests before they came, but that's up to them. We didn't make any kind of you have to do this or you have to do that. We just said, come and this is what it's going to be. We had social distancing. Some people didn't want to go inside to the place where the dance took place. Um, but there was a point where Brandy and I were starting to feel some disappointment that certain people weren't coming. And I would just say now, looking back on it, I would have liked them to come, but honestly, it is true. The right people, at this moment, the right people came. And those are the ones who came. And it's just like, it's almost like an, a mathematical equality. Like the ones who were right to be there were there. And um, the other folks just didn't, it wasn't going to fit for them. And that they, it might have created a different kind of thing. So I, I've learned that lesson again that just let things be, you know, not the world, not the World Economic Forum, <laughs> not capitalism cannot be, 
but let people be and let and be accepting of the decisions that they make and good things will come for you so, um yeah that was one thing i noticed um because um and i've been around a lot of people during you know the pandemic uh and uh, i've been maskless at events you know at different locations and and so one thing i've noticed that happened here too was that some people relaxed as time went on you know in terms of their you know kind of like wearing a mask and this and that and it wasn't like alcohol was the issue because most people weren't really drinking at a ton uh but i just think there is something about being in community that you know feels good and and so that that was nice you know just to see people some people relax a little more um and again same thing there were still people that preferred to keep their distance and their mask on and you know that was fine too um you know but there are ways to still share into something this beautiful you know this community event and um but yeah so it was just nice and but also not surprising you know that um there's a mix of people and you know so far not can we no no massive covid outbreak from your wedding so can i just say one thing that was a little not have to please don't record i oh, would better not we're going to edit I, this out i wish i would have gotten more time to get to know more people because yeah. because and i think what may have interfered a little bit was the dance lesson that one which was all right i liked it but i did want to get to see i i just realized i didn't see uh darlin i didn't get a chance to speak to others and yeah oh it would have been nice that was the one thing i wish i would have just done more maybe yeah. it's my fault i should put it on myself that i my onus is on me that i should have really gone i was so distracted by so many other things i should have consciously gone over to the other side we were sitting on the opposite side from where she was and i think it was the most conservative more careful side i think what they wanted to be um and then it's unfortunate that people who didn't come uh, and they, they didn't come but it is what it is yeah. uh one other thing i should mention i a very much loved and i have to finish it i'm still reading it that newspaper article and my role in passing it out and the details and scene where people had to sit down and the 1920s sort of stylish uh, um the style of it, how it was presented and the stand and it was very much took a, i thought to myself how you might have at that one point been sharing uh information about the ISO or anything around socialism because you started off giving out leaflets and started off giving out newspapers right, like, right. or newsletters or however you would trust mm-hmm. but it was at that time that um that you started this is before social media and before everything on the internet was put on on, on the internet right and you started off just doing that street work and so i i had fun doing that and handed it out to people and reading some of that and my shout outs go to Hema if she is listening to this episode because she did put in a lot of detail to those uh, areas and helping out both of you for the wedding as well you know yeah um, so i i i thought that was very uh, cool as well yeah no i i agree with you and that uh that newspaper uh well the, the themes that w- the way we encapsulated the theme of the wedding was proletariat glam um and but we did really harken back to, not to the 2020s but to the 1920s right um and 
and it was Hema's idea to do this newspaper thing. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was some work and Hema got a headache from me because I'm horrible to work with sometimes, as you know, Eduardo. Um, <laughs> Kenny, you haven't experienced that yet. You'll get there. <laughs> Just think it's great to work with me. <laughs> um, I let, let you vent for a second. Right. But, um, but it was, it, it was definitely, I'm very proud of that. And, uh, and it was connected to like selling newspapers, socialist newspapers, but also newspapers as a, as a touchable medium, like tangible, like that's the idea is like touching and three dimensions and all those things are being going away and going into the cloud. And, um, I think that's some of the appeal. 1920s is not the best time. That's like the Palmer raids. We talked about it, Eduardo, in a previous episode. That's right at the time of great repression. But you know, it's um, it's it's also a, a t- it was a time of the just the, the dawn of the big Arab struggle. Um, and but but it's tangible. It's a tangible period. You know, um, this 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 time right now is becoming increasingly somewhere else out of touch. And so I think we were feeling nostalgic for going like that. And I do sometimes wonder if some of parts of making a revolution is going to be about going back backwards to some of the things. Um, Marxism and often doesn't speak of that that way, but I, I wonder if there's gonna be necessity, not to go back to the 1920s, but to go back to some simpler elements of, hum, of human interaction. And um, so, those are some things I consider. You took it back to the original fake news. And <laughs> delicious cake to end it. Yeah. Very delicious. I had more than me. I'm supposed <laughs> to have. Well, I'm just really glad that we could share this today. This is a, means a lot to me just to be able to hear you both. Um, to both have you there and uh, have you both there and, and, and to hear you both talk about it. It's, it's, it's great. How how is um, dealing with your well? If I don't know if we want to transition there, but I am curious. How are you able to deal with what is happening at work in the background? Interestingly enough, and I'll get into it. Like I'll show you the arc of things. So the wedding is October seventh, right? So the things I'm going to talk about are September sixteenth, and then September thirtieth, or you know, kind of various points of pressure that the district is applying. But to be honest, the wedding became like overwhelmed me, not like, oh, stress, but like it felt like the most important thing. This other thing fell backwards and it like receded in importance, like uh, not all the way back. So I couldn't see it, but it's just my my sense of the importance of the wedding overwhelmed the sense of dread (laughs) and fear and like, oh, shit, here comes something, you know, Um, so. The things I'll describe now that the processes that have taken place all took place and are all taking place both prior to the wedding and now some events after the wedding. And um, I, I'm surprised to say, and some people have said, how can, you know, how could you manage it? I think the important part was for me to have my priorities straight and to recognize the most important thing was to stay on target with what was happening with me and Brandy. As long as I stayed true to that target, then I, I wouldn't get distracted by, things that are not as critical and not as essential as my relationship with her. So I think that's what kind of helped me uh, 
stay focused is I stayed focused on the thing that was most important. So the secondary thing didn't get in my way. And what are the latest developments? Okay. Um, so if people remember that there was a vaccine directive to release your medical information about, uh, you know, you must tell us what, what your state of vaccination and give us the authority to release it to some extent. And all you can say, you, you don't have to release it, but it doesn't look true and things like that. And I was like, no, I'm not going to fill this out. And then, then came the threat of what they said was ineligibility. Um, well, since then, I've seen we'll how post the links to that episode that you described what happened yeah. to how it's yeah. just in the in episode that's below. <laughs> yeah. So pretty, maybe a week and a half after the episode we did where I, where I talked about that, um, I got a written reprimand, a written reprimand, basically saying, um, you know, you are, you failure to fill out the form essentially where you've been told to, um, Here's your written reprimand, basically saying you better do it by this date, or you're going to get a second reprimand, rep written reprimand, which basically meant, which I didn't know before, I'm being put on what's called progressive discipline. All right, um, progressive discipline is a union term for, you know, if you're doing something wrong, the first thing you could get is maybe a verbal reprimand, then, well, maybe an informal verbal reprimand. The principal comes up and he says, "Hey, don't do that." Then you do it again, and then they give you a formal verbal reprimand. Then you do it again. Then they give you a written reprimand. Then you do it again. You get a second written reprimand. If you do it again, then you get suspended. And if you keep doing that again, after suspension, you can be terminated. So that's called progressive discipline. Does that make sense? Like the each steps, but it's got to be the same thing. So I thought they would, it would, what I, the way I imagined this was they were going to call me into the district office, say, are you going to fill out this form? I was going to say no. And they were just going to call me ineligible. I thought they were using that language to avoid, uh, contractual progressive discipline process. Well, it turns out they weren't. Um, it turns out that they're going to work through progressive discipline, but they skipped to a written reprimand. And so they, they gave me the first written reprimand. Then if I carry on, they give me a second, right? So I filed a grievance to that first written reprimand, um, basically saying, um, and maybe I will share at this point. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> my goodness what have Andy turned into he turned from <laughs> red red sickle and red colors of socialism Actually, to red hearts I'm going to do it this way I'm going to do it this way so I'm going to stop sharing so um, this is our contract let's go so um, so I basically um, looked at this part Teachers should not be disciplined without just cause. I was claiming that I was being disciplined without just cause and that a teacher should be adequately informed of the consequences of his or her conduct. And here's what I was using, because I was going back to the vaccine form and basically saying, look, um, if you go back to this vaccine form, look up here, it says the district is requesting the information. All right. Um, they're not being key. Yeah, not requiring it, requesting it, saying like you can give it. And in fact, it says you are required to provide accurate information about your vaccine status, or you may decline to provide your vaccine status. If you decline to provide information about your vaccine status, the district will assume you are unvaccinated for purposes of rules or requirements in the workplace. So I was like, what are you issuing me a written reprimand for? Because they were saying, you didn't fill out this form. That's the written reprimand. And you were directed to do it. And I was like, no, I wasn't directed. This thing was requesting it of me. And in fact, it issues, it, it actually 
embedded within it is language that says, if you don't fill it out, then we're just going to assume you're unvaccinated. So you, you did the opposite. You didn't do that. So I wrote a grievance basically saying that. Does that make sense? What yeah. date was this? What date was uh, this? Would have been, let's see, let me look at the, this would have been around the 23rd when they issued that first grievance, mm-hmm. September 23rd. Um, and you can see written reprimand, violation of district's August 10th health and safety directive or policy, blah, blah, blah. I filed that grievance. Nothing really happened. And then they, then they, they got back to me um, and said, uh, okay, we changed the language of the vaccine form. All right. And here you go. This is the new language. So they go, the district, like up here, (laughs) the district requires you to provide information about your vaccine status for the following legitimate, right? Now it's requires. And now if you go to the bottom, if you fail to provide information about your vaccine status, you'll be ineligible to work and subject to progressive discipline, right? So they are the ones changing the form. They change the form and then they go, okay, fill this thing out. Or we're going to give you a second written reprimand. And I was like, wait a second. I'm going to stop here. How are you going to give me a second written reprimand? Because y'all just acknowledged the validity of my last grievance to your first written reprimand. You've got to withdraw that written reprimand. Because you basically are showing me by making the change on the form that you had no basis for giving me that first written reprimand. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I was like, you can't then say, do this, or we'll give you a second written reprimand. You could say, do this, and we're going to give you another first written reprimand, but that's not what they were saying. So they weren't going to do that. So I said, well, I'm taking this grievance one to the first written reprimand to step two, meaning I, I want to ask for a hearing. And believe it or not, that hearing is actually tomorrow. So I'm, I'm to have a hearing on that grievance tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Now, in the interim, after me not filling out the form that you saw. So I didn't fill out the first vaccination form, which requests it. I didn't fill out the second <laughs> vaccination form, which requires it because I'm saying, look, I'm still in my grievance here. They acknowledged it and you're missing out. And they said to you, all right, fine. We'll take off the written reprimand. If you, if you fill out your, your, your form and you state your status. Well, they said they would consider it. They didn't say they would. They said they would consider it. Say if they, they did say, well, we're not going to withdraw your first written reprimand, but if you just fill out the form, then you can ask human resources to withdraw the written reprimand. They didn't say they would do it. They would just say, mm. I could then request. And I was like, forget you. I, you know, I'm not doing that. Um, because I, again, the written reprimand that they, they issued the first one was false. It's false because they, they're the ones who had to change the language of their, of their form to make it fit into something that could require me to fit, to fill it out. So they go to written reprimand two. And I, again, I, I'm a, I get a written reprimand that basically says, well, you're, you're not filling out this form. And this I got on September 30th, right? One week before the wedding, essentially. Um, and now you can see I'm, I'm at step one or written reprimand one, written reprimand two. I'm moving up progressive discipline. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So um, I wrote a grievance to that one. And I was like, wait a second. Number one, I'm writing a grievance on process, meaning how are you issuing me a grievance? How are, how are you issuing me a step two written reprimand? When we haven't resolved step one, and I've got a meeting tomorrow, if you will, which was two weeks from now, to resolve step the the first written reprimand. So, how are you wishing me a, a second written reprimand? Go ahead. And who who is this meeting with the the hearing? And uh, it would be with a person. The, there are different people. The person issuing it is from uh, employee relations, and the person who's dealing who's doing this is 
her name is Carrie Slaughter, but I don't think she's, I think she's like human resources or something else. She's a district person. So the person who's going to hear my grievance in like a hearing is different than the person who's issuing these written reprimands. I don't know if you want this in there, but um, isn't that, you know, like they're targeting you, obviously, you know, because they changed the form just for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm so special. And, you know, because if anything, they should update that to, for everyone, right, who has submitted this thing. Yeah, they, it is. Up, I mean, now if, if everyone looks at that form now, they're going to see new language because of because I filed a grievance and now they've changed the language. So everyone who sees this form is going to see the new language. It's not like Libsyn sees one thing, everyone else. I will say that a few things in terms of the targeting. I know other people who who haven't filled out the form who are not who have not gotten any written reprimands. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> and number two, my union rep has already said, look, they're fast tracking you. They are trying to move you through this process. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think he's- Why do you think that, that is? Um, it's for the same reason that I think those 74 cops are going to lose their job. Um, they are doing a lot of object lessons. They, they want to find pinatas to beat and, and have the candy come out and, and show like, Uh, resistance is futile. That's my belief. So I think they believe that this is an easy one. I've been a pain in the ass before, a minor pain in the ass. Now I've given them like a gift, if you will, for them to say, now we can just kick him off the stage. We know he's been a loud mouth about vaccines. We know he's been a loud mouth about returning to schools and critical of the union, critical of the district. Uh, we know he was doing that circuits in the park nonsense. Now he just He just exposed himself because no one's going to help defend him because other teachers aren't doing this. So we can just get rid of this idiot. That's what I think. San Francisco, no? I mean, this is not, well, it is San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, I, I agree. But this is California and New York right now, right? And this is at least San Francisco, New York, LA. We're like, and Berkeley, you know, these are like the hardcore priests of, of vaccine mandates and um, of COVID mania. And so they're going to, they're going to go after anybody who doesn't, who doesn't conform to that. Or so as someone had said in one of the groups, it's COVIDism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, yeah, it's definitely different. And, you know, because just as a side note, like, you know, I, myself, um, October 13th was the deadline today um, to to um, submit um, you know a proof of vaccination to be able to work indoors uh, in San Francisco um, and so I myself I'm having a meeting tomorrow with my employers um, I don't know. I'm not sure it, it, they've been very vague about it yeah and so um, it's happening you know Uh, to a lot of people that today was the major one that is affecting a lot more people uh, despite the fact or you know what they claim to be 80% of vaccinated people in this city that you know 20% is still lives and individuals and people that are getting affected and a lot of people don't have any representation you know no, no union as as you know as much as they failed you you know that a lot of people are just fighting this on their own yeah Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary because uh, even despite the new like findings or right, even some studies that are coming out that 
challenging some of the things that we've challenged ourselves from the beginning, you know, like, like natural immunity and, you know, and even the uh, efficacy of the vaccines or, or the claims that they made and, and they actually um, misled people because a lot of people have gotten the vaccine under false information, disinformation, right? And, and they are champions of, uh, you know, trying to discredit anyone who challenges the mainstream. So despite that, these vaccines mandates are still moving through. The vaccine passports are still being enforced in San Francisco and New York and LA actually has, I think I came back to the United States. I was in Mexico where, by the way, most people don't have this fucking anxiety. They are careful. There's people with masks, yeah. you know, and and uh, but uh, you know, uh, here we are again. Despite new evidence, even in other countries, in England, you know that that you know, I think they, there was a study in England that found you know that the uh, the risk of kids developing the heart issue, you know, uh, uh, heart inflammation. Yeah, it is higher, you know, from the vaccine than getting COVID and even yep. being hospitalized. Yep. And so, this, so science is not being followed. This, at this point, this is very much about strong arming people. It's about compliance. It's not about scientific evidence because there is only one truth. And this is the truth that is being pushed in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Berkeley, like you mentioned. And um, so, yeah, just to kind of give the yes, you're going through this. But there is many other people in in, yeah. in these states and mentioned. Yeah, and because um, YouTube is becoming way more um, uh, strict about what we say, I just want to point out what everything you are saying. Um, the UK's vaccine advisory board, the JCVI that you're referring to, and Kenny is the body, the advisory body that is refusing to give the green light to vaccinate healthy children aged 12 to 15 years old on health grounds alone. And uh, and politicians are overriding that. So, and we're about to prove here, right? Like younger kids, uh, you know. Um, and you know, and we've we've discussed evidence here from before uh, that gets this miss, you know, about kids um, not being as susceptible to COVID infection and developing the disease and mortality. Um, and again, I, I'm reading more stuff about natural immunity. Um, I'm not saying go get COVID, you know, but um, given also the, 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 I think the massive campaign of disinformation in terms of the actual widespread, how widespread COVID has been. I actually think the numbers are misrepresented. I think a lot more people have had it, you know, and so meaning the implications are that a lot more people have had natural immunity than we've been led to believe. But in even people that have natural immunity, like my brother who, has refused, you know, to get this vaccine. He had COVID. He's been forced to do this, or or, or under duress. Under duress, and so many people have. And you know, and the more you, you talk to people, and the more at least I've been open about it. The more I, you know, people voice their, you know, um, voice how they did it under duress and disinformation, misinformation. You know, and so it, it, again, it, it, this is not about science, you know, at least from my point of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the zero about science is zero about health. It's all about control. It's about a goal of big data analytics and 
digital IDs and getting everyone on a mass data collection process that the U.S. corporations and U.S. government can surveil them, control them, manipulate them more easily, and then, of course, spreading that across the globe I know, in what I would describe as a kind of an imperial competition between the U.S. and China, U.S. and Russia, U.S. and Europe even. And you can, I believe you can see it most clearly with where they try to get their vaccines into. You know, so, yes, that's what it's about. Yeah, I mean, there's, maybe this is another show, but we don't even know, you know, about the vaccines that, you know, China and Russia, what they are, there's very limited information as to what the science behind those vaccines are, at least from my perspective. And, you know, it's become... Yeah, they're they're similar to like the 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 Sputnik one is similar to J and J in some ways. It's a little different. It's it's got the double stranded DNA. Uh, China has two. One is sort of like either a, a, a double stranded DNA one. There is another one that's more like more like just the basic spike protein broken up and injected into you, which is a little more. It's a little less enters into your genes kind of thing. Enters into your cells. Um, so they have the two of those like that. And, you know, I just bring that up because to me, it's also, um, you know, kind of, it's evidence of the national agenda, right? Of, yeah. Because even like the other vaccine have kind of been discredited, you know, Pfizer is the winner, you know, Pfizer is going to be the, you know, what is being, is going to be used for what Kamala Harris called vaccine diplomacy. Yeah. You know? and, and so because people, again, in this country, like I know people in Central America, my family, the options are the Chinese, the Russian, you know, the European and the American vaccines. You know, there's a, it's a cocktail of all the vaccines, you know, wrestling for positioning and influence and all that. But we have no, you know, data or information other than Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. Yeah. And, 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 and there is a massive suppression, but again, not to, uh, you know, I keep going on this subject, but just to make the point that this is not about science. And I, I've actually, you know, been militant on that point that, you know, a lot of pseudoscience has been used in the name of pushing this agenda. Yep. You know, and, and people that question are, are you know, dismissed as uh, conspirational or, you know, right-wing when in reality, even, you know, so many the thousands of health workers in New York are, are you know, facing termination, right? Because of yeah. their um, firemen, you know, and, and other people who have been in the front lines, right? Like, through the, the pandemic crisis or whatever. Yeah. Should I carry on with the thing? Okay. Mm -hmm. So where did people, where did people feel like they were left off? So you have your second uh, right reprimand, reprimand. You for not filling, yeah, mm -hmm. for not filling out the new uh, amended vaccine form. So um, this work probably requires me to share my screen again because so I write an agreements to that, basically saying this, basically going over the process, say, saying, look, you can't issue me this is the second written reprimand. You can't issue me a second written reprimand when we haven't even resolved the first. So I said there was a procedural problem with doing this. But the second thing I said was, well, now that you've gone and changed the language here to required, let's go check what this, so they say, 
they were changing it to re require you to provide information on your vaccination status based on the August 11th public health order from California Department of Health. So I go and look at the California Department of Health order, and here it is, okay? California Department of Health, August 11th, right here. And lo and behold, I look down here in section two, and of course, the order applies to the following facilities, public and private schools serving students in transitional kindergarten through grade 12. That's me, okay? Um, and it says this right here. Workers, oh, let me see if I can highlight it here. Workers who are not fully vaccinated or whom vaccine status is unknown or documentation is not provided must be considered unvaccinated. And I wanna highlight this word must because must is a very powerful contractual word or a legal term. I basically wrote and said, look at this. This thing is basically saying, this is a directive to you from that order that you're you're, you're saying that August 11th order is telling you, you must require me. And this thing says, no, if I don't give you the documentation, then what this thing is telling you, this is from the state of California, is that you must think say, think I'm unvaccinated. So that's on to you to assume that I'm unvaccinated. And then you get into the whole PCR test and blah, blah, blah. You like weekly PCR test, which I've been doing. Okay. Um, and so I'm like, you, I'm not out of compliance with this, the requirement. I'm claiming in my grievance that you're out of compliance with the state order because you're making this a directive when the state order itself basically says, no, you as the employer must assume I'm unvaccinated if I don't give you that information. It doesn't say anything about you must get that information. That's on you. You're doing that. So that's the, that's the current claim I'm making in response to written reprimand too. Is that, do, do people see the difference between so they didn't say anything for a little while. Um, and now as of like maybe yesterday, they're basically saying, all right, we want a hearing with you <laughs> and, or uh, we want you to meet with district lawyers, which is basically, that means what they've done is they've blown through written reprimand one, they've blown through written reprimand two. And by saying they want me to talk, and this is going to happen tomorrow on the same day that I'm also supposed to talk about my grievance, separate meetings. Okay. I'm going to have a three o'clock meeting with district lawyers who want to talk to me and ask me questions. Um, and then at four o'clock, I'm going to have my, my, what I'm going to have my meeting with about my written reprimand one and my grievance over that. So the fact that they want me to talk to their lawyers, that is a move towards suspension. That is, they're basically saying we're now moving out of written reprimand two to a process of hearings that lead us to suspension. So they're just skipping all sorts of steps now. And they're actually having that meeting before I even have the meeting, which is the grievance one meeting or the written the reprimand one meeting. So you can see like these folks are doing all sorts of stuff. Um, so that's all that's happening tomorrow. Um, and uh, there are more cards to play here, but these are some of the things I'm gonna lay. I'm gonna restate to them that I'm not out of compliance. I'm gonna say the district is out of compliance. And one other thing I found, and this is important because this was shared to me by somebody who was on our call for workers and students for choice, that gives me a little bit more insight into the reason that they're so determined to say you must fill this form out. Um, and I'm gonna share my screen. So we were talking last time about this, about sharing data. And that was, and I was thinking about it as sharing information with people who walked into the district office, right? Well, if you remember the initial 
So this was that form that I showed you in the first episode that, that we talked about this. And do you see how you, what you fill it in on? You fill it in in a smart sheet, right? This is what they want you to, this thing right here, okay, is part of a smart, is connected to a smart sheet that you're filling out. Both of you see that, correct? Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's look at the smart sheet thing. Smartsheets Inc. is a headquartered in Washington State, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Smartsheet Inc. may share personal data with, with, affiliate, with our affiliated companies. And here's what it says. We keep your personal data for as long as reasonably necessary for the purposes set out in our notices, blah, 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 or if applicable, in accordance with the relevant terms of an agreement between you and Smartsheet. We will keep your personal data longer if, we were, if required for tax or accounting purposes to ensure we would be able to defend or raise a claim to resolve disputes, enforce our contractual rights, or where we have legitimate need, though we will generally not keep personal data for longer than seven years following the last date of communication with you. Um, it says personal data we collect may be transferred to use, stored in the United States and other jurisdictions in which Smartsheet, our affiliates or service providers are located um, and may not guarantee the same level of protection of, of personal data. By providing us with your personal data, you agree to such transferring and our processing. All right. So and it says, and if you object to our processing of personal data, we shall then have an opportunity to demonstrate that we have compelling legitimate interests which override your rights and freedoms. In addition, you can object to the processing of your personal data for direct marketing purposes, which includes profiling to the extent that it is related to such direct marketing. This is where this information is being shared. It's being shared in Smartsheets with Microsoft who's basically going to use that data in that hidden contractual way. So I'm sitting here playing small ball over here, thinking this is about the district, you know, sharing it with parents, which itself is bad, but they've already, by getting me to agree to put it in smart sheets, that shit's everywhere, anywhere they want it. So, and then they say, Oh, click on it. If you want to keep your privacy. That's why I was saying that that whole thing was a lie the whole time. So, what this really is, is a collaboration between Microsoft and the school district that the union has no contract relationship with that is now being used as the terms of my employment with a company that is basically saying, like, we work with you, the district, and, and they have to give us this information, which is Smartsheet. So that has to go to Microsoft and they can threaten me with a loss of termination if I don't give essentially Microsoft my information. When I, and I have no contractual, we have no contractual relationship with Microsoft. Ours is with SFUSD. And UESF has agreed to this. So they're essentially agreeing to a private company coming in that we have no, con that we have no contractual relationship with, essentially establishing the terms under, of our employment. I mean, that's just a few of the problems here. So this whole thing is a giant mess, but it's not a mess by, like, it's a mess for workers, but for corporations and for the state, again, public-private partnerships working together to dismantle contract, dismantle workers' rights, give away your privacy and have us, and now for situations where, where teachers are essentially saying, you should sign, and my union is saying, their advice to me, sign the form and get vaccinated. That's their advice. Um, you can see, give up your shit to Microsoft. So it's, um, that's what I'll be talking. I mean, I'll be talking about some of that tomorrow with these lawyers, you know, and I'm told like, you know, you got to tell them the truth. Um, I'll tell them the truth but I'm also going to have some questions about them. And I'm also going to basically say that this entire proceeding is because it's recorded is, is irregular and wrong and skips the process of the grievance. Number one that I filed and grievance number two 
you've already moved now to starting the beginning of a suspension process. And I have two grievances that you haven't even heard yet. Because this meeting that we're having right now actually happens before the hearing for grievance one. So again, it's not surprising. This is the land of um, this is the land of legal illusion, you know, that we have lived in for quite some time. But corruption. Uh, yeah. And it's yeah, exactly. And it's uh, but I'm determined to see this through, and I feel like I'm learning a lot. You know, and this is the way I'm going to fight it. I don't believe that the 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 sense of my argument that is my argument can make a hundred percent sense, be a hundred percent airtight. They can still find against me because that's how things are going right now. But this is how I'm going with it. Yeah, it just it's 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 amazing and concerning. You know that some of these things would have flown over my head. You know, just that language, and and I think it probably has over a lot of people. And obviously, you have the context of, you know, what, what's happening in the background. You know that this is beyond just that. You know, it's not just like, why are you being difficult? You know, um, type of thing. That, you know, there is a lot of at stake here. Um, I do have a question, and and again, feel free to keep this here or not, but. You're talking to lawyers tomorrow. Do you feel you need representation like of your own or? There'll be a union representative there. Um, they, if we go to another hearing after that, that's when it gets a little more serious. And I would get a union lawyer to come with me to a second hearing called a Skelly hearing. If it, if it, if it proceeds beyond. Um, and it, during a Skelly hearing is when they would be deciding the terms of possibly giving me a two week unpaid suspension and so now you mentioned the, the union twice you know like the potentially right representing you or there's one tomorrow potentially a lawyer um do you think they actually have your back no you know is it just like optical you know optics and what why yeah how, why don't they have your back i mean at this point or i mean it gets back to me It gets back to Jake's stuff about the AFT and the NEA and that these folks and, and Eduardo has seen this with our union leadership. They are all bought in on the narrative. They've already bought in the entire narrative. They've already accepted that it's about safety and that it's about uh, keeping teachers vaccinated to keep them safe and keeping and even doing more remote work to keep us safe. That framework, which one could say that our current union president and vice president are being dupes about a little bit. But if you go higher up our union, they are not being dupes. They know that they're in it with Gates and the Rockefellers. Like they're, they know that they are sleeping with the enemy and they've chosen to do that. And they are going to sell our asses down the river. And the union members, oh, excuse me, the union leadership, many of who I know personally, I keep saying it because I'm upset with their positions, have publicly on their social media um, and elsewhere and in schools at assemblies and other town halls have publicly declared, declared their positions on vaccine mandates and they fully support uh, vaccine mandates. So um, it is very um, sad um, to think that you cannot have a union representation that is going to be objective 
that is going to be there to be able to represent you because you are a union member. And a union is supposed to be there for workers and not for the state. And they'll say flowery language in their emails around, and we have already shared this already, about how they're just trying to comply with the state because that is what is required of them. And they have no, they cannot supersede uh, the state requirements. Well, that's a lie, that's false. We've already stated why in previous episodes. That is because when there are other issues that are brought that are also being required or mandated by the state, such as budget or immigration status or any sort of thing around that, the union has resisted and has shown solidarity with workers if they were immigrants or trying to declare immigration status from families, et cetera, or even if there were budgets that were supposed to be, well, this is what we have, this is the money we have. And the union says, no, we can do more than this and we're going to push for more because we're not going to be complacent or satisfactory, satisfied with it. So they have shown in previous um, moments that they can stand up and they're not doing that this time. They just want to uh, defer to the rules at this moment. So I'm disappointed in them. And I also know them personally and where they stand. And they have said mean things such as saying, well, this is some, a direct quote they have said, I hope anyone that is unvaccinated is not allowed to ever enter a public space ever again. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I mean, the funny thing is that, you know, I've been thinking more about this um, in terms of what's happening with, you know, like, for example, losing a member like you, Gibson, you know, and, and the people that are willing to go through, you know, to the ends of things and to stand up, speak up and, and say, this is wrong. And this is what's at stake here for the unions themselves, losing members like you, not just here, but in New York, you know, in Los Angeles, in Berkeley, you know, the, the people who will actually, actually follow through and what will remain will be the people that always put their head down, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, but it's just also a reminder that, you know, unions, and I think that's a massive mistake that we make, the union bureaucracy is not the union, you know? And, and so we, because I've had these conversations with my mother who, you know, expresses her same frustration with her union bureaucracy, you know, the fat cats sitting, you know, earning the salaries, you know, and, and, and not putting their neck on the line, basically selling out that, you know, the union is the workers, you know? And, and I think a lot of the workers have for either forgotten that or been, brainwashed into thinking that the union, the power lies in the bureaucracy, you know, and, 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 you know, just like when my mother at the beginning of all this saw that, you know, they sent some of their over 65 year old workers home on the premise of their safety, you know, and my mom realized that she didn't fight for her, those coworkers that she would, you know, she's shooting herself on the foot. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so that's the side. So my, my point here is that this is a massive attack on unions, what's happening right now. And unions don't see that. You know, union bureaucracy doesn't see that, but they don't give a shit either way. But um, I, I, I think that's definitely what's the end of this will be. Post, you know, the after the aftermath of all this, when the dust settles, unions are going to be gutted of militant members that are willing to push back and, and, and light a fire under the union bureaucracy. And so I, I think it's a, a massive, uh, again, attack on the working class, you know, and, and what remains of organized labor in this nation. I would 
and I don't know if Eduardo, you want to respond to that. I I want to put it a little differently. Well, I'll just say that we're seeing this um, in, across the country with nurses in New York being suspended, fired, um, hailed as frontline workers. And now we're seeing how uh, airline workers are taking up a stand. And if we just did what they did, that would be nice. That's all I wanted to add. Yeah. And, and I would put this in the context of what Michael Caine has been talking about, of people leaving their union getting out of their union and I get why he's saying it. And I, I'm increasingly coming to full throated support it because the working class is under attack. It's under attack by the capitalist class, but organized labor under the leadership of the union leadership, but with the consent of much of the membership is becoming a bulwark to attack sections of the class. And, and you can see it when they say we want the kids vaccinated, we want other workers vaccinated. We're going to like teach you fear. We're going to teach you to fear COVID. And that's at least you can see it in the, in the, in the section of workforce and education. And I actually think unions, and I'm including the leadership connected to a vast, much of their membership are now a, a bulwark against most of the work, the remainder of the work, unorganized working class, or some section of the organized working class, and they're going to have to be taken on. And so that's why probably militants have to get out and lead the counterattack against the capitalists and against their unions. That's what it looks like to me. And I don't just mean the union leadership, although I agree, Kenny, they are much to blame. Unfortunately, there's also a, a mentality in much of the membership that's like, I want to keep my shit protected, but everyone else can fuck off. That's like a, a, a um, there was a craft union pen mentality, a, a sort of a professional union mentality that existed prior to the industrial union unionization that, that, it, that unionized massive workers across different levels of education and, and skills and things like that. And that is the mentality that most that the unions and union members have today is a mentality of, I'm gonna get mine, I'm gonna protect mine, fuck the rest of you. And that will have to be fought because that's being used to attack workers, other workers who, who, who aren't organized. And, it, and it's, a, and it's, a, and it's a, a weapon being leveled by the Democratic Party, which has been the largest, you know, they're the ones who've been really going crazy on censorship, on this mandates, um, the Republicans are following along. I understand they pretend to be different. I don't think there really are. I think the capitalist class are united, but the Democrats are the biggest cheerleaders of this, and they are using the weapon and their control and their connections to the union apparatus to wage an attack on workers. So the assault actually has to be against not just the capitalists, but against their unions. And it's clearly shown when they're propping up the so-called whistleblower with Francis. Yeah. Hogan or something, I forget the last name, when there, there are papers that have revealed that there was a plot against Julian Assange by the CIA, when no one's talking about that. But when you have whistleblowers that are in your favor, such as the whistleblower that was under the Trump administration revealing things about that, of course, it's favorable to the Democrats. And right now with Francis, the Facebook whistleblower quote, um, also propped up. Why? Because it's in their favor. So, um, so of course, 
What does this call for? It's for more censorship. I don't doubt that social media affects girls and affects children and affects teens. Of course, I think we've all know that intuitively, but this is not about that. This is about in the name of children, again, like Apple trying to talk about privacy, going to be entering your messages if you're talking to underage people, like if I talk to my cousins or something, right? It's going to be given a Trojan horse into your phone. So it just disgusting of how we're you know being more and more in the the tentacles of um the power of the people in power trying to reach us well not this but you know the democrats are very efficient at you know at, at uh you know basically persecuting incarcerating um punishing into compliance people you know, let's not forget Biden, you know, his uh, mass incarceration bill. Uh, let's not forget Obama's 3 million people deported, uh, you know, in the escalation of war. Um, because it, obviously, at least in leftist slash, you know, liberal circles, uh, people tend to buy into that narrative, right? Like one is a good cop, bad cop. But, you know, like you mentioned, Lipson, they're doing the same thing that I think actually the Democrats are more efficiently and have way more blood in their hands, more blood of the working, blood, uh, sweat and tears of the working people of this nation and the world, obviously. But, it, you know, Democrats are getting away with murder, you know, in persecution right now. Uh, the, uh, you know, the Democrat branch, I guess, uh, the democratic brand of the capitalist cl class mm -hmm. getting away with, you know, not just on this issue, but also, you know, immigration and all these, all these things. And, you know, something we've always before was that there was going to be an escalation, you know, of the war in the working class. And sadly, many people are failing to see these mandates as that, you know, an escalation on working people, coercion, you know, and, and so much for fear and fascism, right, on, in, you know, or dictations from Trump and here we are just actually egging on you know cheering on and and, and it's sad to see a lot of people just um, become very vicious supporters of, of, of this you know just inhumane uh, stuff happening yep I don't have anything else to add I think that we're done this was uh still got my ring so <laughs> I do, I do want to maybe um, ask for your thoughts on what's coming, you know, maybe what, what do you expect to happen? You know, um, I think I've got a small chance of getting through this and getting to the point where they're going to get to the point where they no longer offer the PCR option and they say, you got to be vaccinated. And then, you know, then it'll be, we'll have to see if I can get part of this thing, religious exemption, blah, blah, blah. But more likely than not, I think this is the end of the line for me in the district and for me in teaching it in SFUSD. It's be clear though, not because you want to, but because the district oh, yeah. is pushing you out. Correct. You want to stay in at Mission High School, correct? Yeah, I'm having a good year teaching actually. But And how many PhD scientists do we have in the district with your qualifications? I mean, all I can say is, unfortunately, of teachers. unfortunately, 
if, if you tell me somebody who's got a PhD and it's from Johns Hopkins, I'll say, well, you better look out for that person. <laughs> Don't worry. They're going to call the National Guard to take over teaching. So <laughs> That's right. That's what they're doing in New York with, you know, or threatening to do right with the uh, healthcare workers not wanting to get vaccinated. Right. Right. But yeah, I mean, I do believe I'm a qualified teacher and I think I do a good job. My, I do a good job. And I think my students appreciate my efforts and some of the skills I now have. Uh, I think they're going to be in a worse situation if they have another teacher. Um, but I don't think that's what this is about. This is not about education. This is not about help. This is about control and do as you're told. And if you don't do as you're told, there's no place for you here. And where is and, this being reported but in, on what's left? That's right. And, and this episode has been about finding where your place is. And so I think I have found where my place is. Uh, and I am in the process of finding where my place is not. Well, you can always move to Mexico. <laughs> I've been offered uh, a, 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 what's a, exile, what's it called when you, when you hide at some place? Exile. No. Yeah, but uh, hiding in Nicaragua. Hideout. <laughs> like, um, like, um, like, uh, Asata, yeah, Asata, Asata Shakur. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, what's the word? Hold on, let me find Then again, you know, you're going to be able to teach remotely very soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anywhere in the world. That's right. That's right. I have, I have ideas about. If, if it comes to that and I'm not teaching in SFUSD, I believe there'll be other options for me. And I think they're going to be connected to these new communities we're, we're starting to work with. You'll be given political asylum in, in Latin America. Yes, asylum, like, you know, yeah. Asylum. I think you were looking for another word. Then. Yeah. But that went for now. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Thank so, you, guys. For yes. Love in the time of tyranny. Right. Um, <clears throat> well, that does it for this week's episode. Um, What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on uh, the episode notes, wherever you found this episode, or on our blog at what-s-left.webnote.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to this podcast slash channel there and connect with us. Um, folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please share your favorite episode, rate, review, subscribe to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, BitChute, Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E, -E, uh, YouTube or Telegram. And, uh, and thank you for the support you have given us over this time, really. If you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. I'm Eduardo Barca with co-hosts Kenny Cepeda and uh, Andy Lipson. I'll see you next time. Ciao. Yep. All right, we're good looking good here. I feel like, there we go. I have tea today. I don't normally have tea. Married life, man, changing you already. <laughs> and he's going to be on me about this. No, it's good. Yeah. He's going to be watching me like a hawk. He's going to say, okay, I, I know the steps. I'm going to watch to see if you're walking them or not. <laughs> he's going to say, are they stairs up or stairs down? Let me, let me see which one's happening. <laughs> I, I, let's just say I believe in brandy. 